You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? Anthony Gazenza here with you on the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast, coming at you live, if you're joining us Wednesday evening, with my partner in crime, John Sheeran. It was a nice week for the Bengals this last week, and they've got a big one ahead. John, how's your week been going, man? It's good. I actually did some research right before we took the show. Um, Never before have you and I done one of these shows coming off of a Bengals win where they won by more than 20 points so this is the first for for at least me doing the doing the program after such a win i look at you you are such the statistician that is why you have the <laughs> immense twitter following that is why you are the talent of this show my friend you have all the stats the data to back everything up i love it i love it we have a lot to get to tonight we're gonna kick off in just a second here with a couple of special guests to help us preview the big game against the ravens in week seven so we're gonna we're gonna get to that in just a second we are gonna recap a little bit of the lions game we've got a couple of other things to get to as well part of our chat with uh our special guests are there's going to be a soundbite of the week in there. There's going to be some other things in there. So we've got a lot to get to tonight. And it is really just a, a big week, John. I mean, I, I will talk about, about it with our guests here in just a second. But a, a big week and maybe a little bit of a surprise that it's this big of a week for both the Ravens and the Bengals, huh? I don't know, man. Like, I don't know how many people thought that this matchup would feature a combined nine wins because there was only six games and the Ravens can only win six at most. So maybe this is a surprise to a lot of other people outside of Cincinnati. But I think you'll talk to some people inside Cincinnati who say this game is exactly what we thought it was going to be. Yeah, maybe. Well, let's bring in our special guests. We've got Glenn Martin and James Haskell of 410 Sports Talk, a uh, a really good program that covers the Baltimore Ravens. They were generous enough to have me on a couple of times on their program. A couple of great guys that bring a lot of great content here. Gentlemen, how are we? A big AFC North clash coming up. How are you guys doing? Good, man. Good, man. Excited. Can't wait to see it. I, uh, I Who would have thought this would be – this looks like the matchup that could, uh, you know, decide who wins the AFC North. It, it very well could based on the injuries that the Browns have accrued and based on the Steelers kind of looking like a mediocre team at best at this point. Mm-hmm. Bengals surprising some folks. And of course, the Ravens are where a lot of people pegged them. Before we get to peppering you guys with a lot of different questions, I mm-hmm. want to give your show and what you guys are doing a little bit of a plug. Again, 410 Sports Talk. They cover the Baltimore Ravens. Here is their YouTube channel. You can see, gentlemen, subscribed. We're, we're, we're subscribers now. Hey. Tell us a little bit about your show and uh, when you go live, how people can find it, all that good stuff. 
Yeah, so if I can uh, indulge you guys just for a second, and I won't take that uh, that uh, too much of your time here, but Glenn and I have been, pretty much been doing exactly what we're doing right now since uh, we were children, uh, met as, as young kids, and uh, just been playing sports together forever in the neighborhood, and decided one day, you know what, we might as well turn the cameras on. Uh, if we're going to mm -hmm. talk and argue about the Ravens and everything else sports, might as well let people in on, on the conversation. And so, you know, we've been doing this for a few years now, had had – had some success and, and have an absolute blast doing it. But as far as our shows go, we go live um, on, on Fridays to preview the upcoming game. And then we do an instant reaction following the game, whether it's Sunday, Monday or Thursday, aside from that, we put out anywhere from three to five videos that are, you know, recorded videos that you can view at your leisure uh, throughout the week. But uh, yeah, man, we love our Ravens and, and have an absolute blast doing it. Well, appreciate you guys coming on. I'm going to let my co-host lead off with the first question here because I've got a soundbite of the week. I'm going to queue up in just a second here, but uh, I'm going to let John bat lead off to use a poor sports analogy on a football program. John, uh, kick it off for us, dude. I think we need to start with a general state of the team type question because people are looking at the Ravens, the only five and one team in the AFC, um, the, the number one seed in the AFC right now, obviously top of the AFC North. And before the season started, it seemed like a lot of chaos was coming out of Baltimore on the injury front. And now they're still just kicking on all cylinders. Like everything's going ju just as fine. So through six games now, five and one, despite all the, all the turmoil with the injury report and stuff like that, how are, what is the feeling about the Ravens right now? Do you think that they are playing their best football? Or do you think there's still room to improve based off of just them having to cope with some injuries? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that when the injury rash hit the Ravens right before the season, I think there were some fans that kind of hung their head and said, well, you know, I, I mean, we, we can still have a decent season, but a lot of fans thought the Super Bowl hopes uh, went out the door. When you lose your entire backfield, your entire running back backfield, you lose your one, two, and three, then you lose an all-pro corner in, in Marcus Peters. Left tackle, Ronnie Stanley's on the IR. He's a stud. I mean, it was just – it wasn't just that it was so many players. It was so many key contributors. And on both sides of the ball, it just seemed like it was it was terrible. But when you come back and, you, you, you first of all, you lose a heartbreaker where they really lost twice in week one against the Raiders where everyone thought they scored a touchdown. Uh, they call the players back on the field. They said, no, he was short. Then they throw an interception in the end zone. We've got the ball back. And then they get it and they beat us. So we lost twice in week one, uh, which is why they, they decided not to lose since then. But but really bounced back since back then. Since had some, had some, some thrillers, um, some, some crazy games, which a lot of people said they shouldn't have won. But they pulled it out. The 66-yarder uh, by Justin Tucker was certainly one that jumps to mind. But then last week, everything seemed to come together finally. The defense looked like the defense we expected them to look like preseason. And maybe, just maybe, the, the addition of Josh Bynes coming home, coming back to the flock, uh, <laughs> was the key to it all. Because it seemed like those young guys who they drafted, and some, and some of which drafted very highly, just weren't playing up to the Ravens' standard. So bringing Bynes back seems to have righted the ship defensively, at least, at least for now. And the offense, as long as they have Lamar Jackson, I think everyone in the fan base and on the team feels like there's nothing that they can't do offensively. Well, I guess we're already getting questions here. Uh, one is from our buddy Blackthorn, and I guess we just got to get get this and try and clear the air here. Stick up for our boy, number 55, Logan Wilson. 
Um, before we ask you the question about what you made of the comments here, we got a, a cutesy little graphic for our soundbite of the week. Um, if I if I can find that bad boy here, and we'll we'll play this for you here. Uh, you know, guys, I don't I don't know what to make of it. We we talked about it a little bit, but uh, you know, let's let's not even get cute with it. I'm just going to share the clip. This was given to us literally this afternoon. From the producers of the Jim Rome show, Logan Wilson made an appearance on the program today and was asked not only about Lamar Jackson, his thoughts on him, but the comments that have kind of run amok through the media here. So I'm going to share this with you guys. Hopefully you can hear it. Hopefully our, our listeners can hear it as well. This is on Vimeo. This is the link that they shared with us and wanted us to share with our audience. So here you guys go and uh, our, for our listeners as well. Here it is. Talking to Logan Wilson for a couple of more moments. You mentioned the Ravens, so they're all big, right? But this one especially, you've got Baltimore coming up this weekend. You were re recently talking about Lamar Jackson and his added threat as a runner. As a linebacker, how do you go about preparing to face Jackson? You know, I think that's, that that task is always easier said than done. Um, you know, he's one of the he's – he's in my opinion, he's the best dual-threat quarterback there is in the National Football League. Um, there's just things that he can do, you know, when he, there's, you know, there's a difference between playing mobile quarterbacks. Um, and then there's guys that can, they're just dangerous with the ball in their hands at all times. And he's, he's the key to their, you know, their success. And so, um, we're always going to have our hands full playing him. Um, you know, obviously we have a lot of respect for him, what he's done. He's, he's always in the MVP race every season. And, um, you know, we're going to have our hands full, but it's going to be a good challenge for us. Logan, you just made the point and you said it right off the very top. He's a dual threat. That's the phrase you use, dual threat. After you talked about his ability as a runner, some folks seem to think that you were knocking him as a passer and as a quarterback. Yeah. How frustrating was that for you? I mean, it was definitely frustrating because that's not that's not me. Anyone who knows who, who, me as a person, um, that's nothing I would ever say. I would never uh, disrespect someone like that. We we all everyone knows what he's done in this league, and it's very 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 impressive. Um, and like I said, he's he's very tough to bring down at all times. I was just trying to. Um, credit him as his gift with his gifts as a runner because he can make people miss like like none other so um he's very good at what he does so that is the clip that logan wilson came out with today now james i'll, I'll start with you and glenn i know you got some thoughts too uh, based on when those comments first came out maybe the tweet that logan wilson talked about and then what what he just said there what do you make of this whole thing? And is it bulletin board material if you are the Baltimore Ravens this week? Yeah, number one, it is absolutely bulletin board material. Uh, but to his credit, if you're asking my honest opinion, I don't think that he was trying to throw any shade or or insult anyone uh, or anything of that nature, you know, discredit anybody's uh, game, specifically Lamar Jackson. But look, we're Baltimore Ravens podcasts and, and, uh, we want Lamar Jackson to be as motivated as possible. So, you know, if I'm the Baltimore Ravens organization or have any contact with Lamar Jackson, sure. I'm letting him know that, you know, there's guys that still think he's a running back out there and, and wanting him to use it to, to add some fuel to the fire. No problem there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that he had any ill will or malice, you know, in his comments at all, but uh, I don't, I hope that Lamar Jackson doesn't agree with my statements. Glenn, yeah, and, what do you think? And, and, yeah, I mean, I when I first saw the at first, I only saw the quote. I didn't actually see the video, and I went, "You've got to be kidding me!" I mean, as much as and Jimmy will tell you, we do a lot of in the draft. We love Logan Logan Wilson. We thought yep. he was 
going to be a late round absolute steal. The guy's a tackling machine. I didn't think he had the coverage skills that he's showing this year with four picks, but that just you know kind of leads to uh you know that that just kind of helps him even more. But then I saw the video and it was it was just he touched on a couple key phrases. I think he meant it as a compliment, but when you just see the quote and you you, you know you cut out the the <laughs> the surrounding quotes, you just just single you know sing, single out that sentence. It doesn't look good. It doesn't doesn't sound good. So of course Ravens fans, all they see is his picture with one sentence, and it looks like you're taking a slight and a shot at the quarter. I don't think he meant it as that, but I did find it hilarious. He sounded a little nervous in that clip. Like he was like, I may have just poked a bear. And yeah. I don't want to, I, I don't want to be the reason to give them any more or to give him any more uh, fuel to his fire. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think the Bengals want, he is Houdini 2.0. Right. Yeah. Um, and certainly Logan Wilson. I don't think he wants that either. So uh, yeah, but I, I mean, I don't think he, he meant anything by it, but we might make it into a shirt here at 410 <laughs> sports talk. So uh, be on the lookout for that. We will. I mean, the, the Ravens have beaten the Bengals by a combined 95 points the last three oh. times that they've played. Oh. I'm just very curious how there can possibly be any bulletin board material that's even needed for the Ravens to even compete against the Bengals. You know, you're absolutely right. This is the one thing I will say. And uh, I think John Harbaugh, I'm biased. I, I love myself some John Harbaugh. I think he is one of the best, if not the best coach at uh, reinventing himself. Uh, you know, injecting energy into his message every single year over and over again. So he will find anything that he can to continue to keep his team singularly focused, continue to keep his team as, as motivated as possible and can, and stop his message from getting stale. So um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that John has them laser focused, even if they were playing against the pop Warner, you know, under 13 team. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I can understand your point as well. Plus you guys are playing great. I mean, that's undeniable. You guys are playing great football. Even the games you've lost, I think you said, Anthony, it's combined six points uh, that you've lost by. So, I mean, there's a lot there, a lot of meat on the bone when it, bone when it comes to playing against Cincinnati Bengals these days. Talking with Glenn Martin and James Haskell of 410 Sports Talk, a Baltimore Ravens podcast, a great podcast. Go check them out on Twitter. Subscribe to them, and they are on Twitter as well. A couple of great guys talking some football, some AFC North football uh, I want to get both your guys' thoughts on this, and I'll start with you, James, since you brought up the coach, John Harbaugh. Mm -hmm. I have immense respect for him in many, many different facets and, and how how many different quarterbacks he has won with in the NFL, the amount of, of wins he has accrued. Baltimore always seems to be in the hunt. But there's a little bit of a criticism, and I, I, I'm curious what you guys think about this. There was a little bit of a criticism in the game against Denver and how they ended that one. And Vic Fangio made some comments about, well, we expected this because they don't care about player safety in terms of the Ravens mm -hmm. running on the final play to extend a 100-yard rushing game streak or, or something to that effect. Uh, and there was a little bit of tit for tat in terms of the coaches going back and forth publicly. And there's an old school mindset. There's a new school mindset, all that kind of stuff. What did you make of that whole situation? I know that doesn't really pertain to the Bengals per yeah. se. You no, mentioned your like you asked. Yeah, I, I like that I, I, I because that clown won't uh -oh. let it go. He said this week when preparing for Cleveland, quote, a, that Cleveland is a, quote, a great football city. And he added that, quote, the organization and fan base handled themselves with much more class than the team that used to be there. You know, 
Vic Fangio is a big baby. Let me tell you, what he found, what he realized when the Ravens exposed them as the fraudulent 3-0 team that they were, is that he realized, damn, as good as I thought we were, we are going to be dead last in our division at season end. And it's showing that every game since then, they've been, they've, I mean, they're just not a very good team. They don't have a quarterback. And he's, but let me just address the, I mean, the sour grapes. He was looking, we talked with you, Anthony, about moral victories. And, and and Fangio was looking for a moral victory in that ass whipping he received by the Ravens. And when he saw that moral victory get snatched away by a five yard run, he was he was just a salty baby about it. And and the fact that he said, you know, he, he threw player safety and it was so ridiculous. He was calling timeouts, guys. He called three timeouts in under a minute down 16. He called three timeouts and was throwing the ball in the end zone with 10 seconds left. And I love the petty shot that John took at him. He said, I don't know of a 16-point touchdown that's going to tie the game with seven (laughs) seconds left, but he was throwing during that time. So if it's player safety, do you think the six play calls that you ran up uh, in the final minute of that game that would have not made a difference as to who won, you think that was in concern of player safety? you think he was worried about his team when he was doing that, when it was pointless, the game was over? No, but but the the one play the Ravens ran in which no one was tackled, that's the play that is going to endanger the safety of the players. It was absolute sour grapes. The guy is a baby, and guess what? He will be jobless at season's end. <laughs> I, I poked the bear there. What do you what do you think, James? <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with Glenn one hundred percent. He's exactly right. I mean, it was childish. He was he was uh, emotional, and and look, John Harbaugh is the type of guy, if you know anything about the Harbaugh family, first of all, saying it is this, I knew it was going to be this way, this, that, and the other. Everyone knows that the Harbaugh's are, you know, referring to Fangio's comments, everyone knows that the Harbaugh's are, are a relative, they're, they're a, a classy family when it comes to football. They know football, unwritten rules. They know football, written rules. He was born with a helmet on and a headset. I mean, John Harbaugh was, you know, born into the tradition of football, but there's also the the competitive never say die until all the clock, you know, the clocks say zero. Is it over? And like Glenn said, I mean, John put it to bed and said, dude, if you want to score a 16 point touchdown, go ahead. But if not, look, the interception doesn't happen if he doesn't call the timeout. We don't even get the ball back if he doesn't get the timeout. So Fangio made his own bed and now he's got to lay in it. I mean, it's just really that simple. I, I, I don't see if there was anything egregious or unnecessary about it. I think I can speak for our fans when um, and our listeners when I say that if any team doesn't tolerate uh, moral victories and garbage time points, it's definitely the Ravens, which is why Wink Martindale, I think, called out the Bengals for kicking a field goal oh, when yeah. they were down 27 a couple of years ago. Yeah, right yeah. here. There's a little comment there. Yeah. Fair yeah, enough. Yeah, no doubt. Absolutely. Fair enough. Wink Martindale is not John Harbaugh, though. <laughs> this is That's true. That's true. You, you guys really, uh, and I don't want to take one from, from John here, but you guys brought up the, his name too. Josh Bynes, he came in last year for the Cincinnati Bengals, was a street-free agent, and came in and really kind of solidified things for the most part on a defense that was in major transition. Um, wasn't outstanding, but played pretty well, and so much so that after the one-year deal expired, a lot of our listeners, a lot of Bengals fans are going, what's the deal with Josh Bynes? Where is he landing? Where is he? What's he doing? And the Bengals, Bengals fans kind of wanted him back. And then lo and behold, he, he goes back to the Ravens. Not only that, he was kind of on the practice squad from what I understand early this year. He now, as I read an article on Baltimore Ravens, I related on our Happening Headlines show earlier this week. 
He now has ascended, it sounds like, to the starting middle linebacker, pushing Patrick Queen to the weak side spot, starting there because they want to maybe try and put Queen in a more comfortable position, and they trust what Bynes does. Can you guys talk a little bit about what Bynes did last week and uh, the hopes you have for him going going forward? Yeah, I mean, Josh Bynes is just right place, right time type of guy. He's old, he, do, he doesn't make the mistakes. He doesn't have the mental errors. So while he has physical limitations that Patrick Queen, you know, Patrick Queen can beat him in a foot race. There's no doubt about that. But a lot of times that speed, Patrick Queen runs himself out of place. He overruns things constantly. He just he just doesn't have good football instincts. Uh, and he's not he, he's just he's not good at, you know, deciphering the play and then and then making a play on the ball. He just oftentimes is too comfortable being locked up by an offensive lineman and is just fine being stuck in a belly button. And that's just not going to cut it here in Baltimore. There is a long tradition of linebacker play in Baltimore. And if you can't cut it, especially as a number one pick, then, I mean, they're going to find a replacement for you. And the fact that Bynes is a member, you know, he played with the old guard. He played here when, when Ray Lewis was still here and Suggs was still here and Ed Reed was still here. So he, he, he can teach these young guys how to play. He can bring a calming force to the group. But they're not ready to give up on Patrick Queen. He's a mm. young guy. When he came in the league, he was the youngest player in the league. So he's still got some some time to grow. But this having binds allows him to Patrick Queen to be put in situations where he, he can succeed but not be exposed for the young player that he is. He only played one year at LSU. He's behind a bunch of really good linebackers who are now really good in the NFL – so he just needs time, and and but it was too much. It, it, it was, they had to squint when watching him have these growing pains on the field. So I think they're gonna they're gonna still hope that he can turn into the player they were hoping for, and let Bynes kind of be that nurturer that gets him there. Yeah, the biggest thing for me and Glenn and I have talked about this is I don't know if you can teach uh, someone to enjoy you know the physicality of the position right like the the physicality that requires and he seems to shy away from it a little bit Mm. in his in his tackling and his engagement with offensive linemen and and opposing blockers so that's my concern I don't know if you can teach that like dog if you will um but yeah just just that's my my concern for Patrick Queen I think the other things can come he's as athletic as they as they they come at the position but uh, I do worry about that uh being part of the mindset and a requirement for the position all right, so we, I want to get to the question that's on everyone's minds. The Ravens have the eighth best offense, I believe, in EPA per play. They're the sixth best offense when it comes to dropback EPA per play. They're passing the ball fantastically. The question that every Bengals fan wants to know is, how much does, is that because of Kevin Zeiler? <laughs> <laughs> He's the one under set. It must be him because it can't be Lamar, right? He's the that's running right. back. Right. I mean, it's right. got to be. Right. Yeah, no, but he's been fitting in well. He's a lunch pail guy. He gets the job done, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's better than uh, DJ Fluker. He's better yeah. than 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 Ben Powers was last year. He's certainly been a calming force there and and helped. I think he's helped Bradley Bozeman in his transition back to back to center. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's certainly helping Patrick McCarry right now, who n- nobody would have thought would play as well as he has at right tackle when we consider the last time when we saw him last year he was he was the center throwing the ball over Lamar's head and got him concussed and, and eventually put out of that game so uh yeah I think that having a calming force a veteran force is definitely helpful in the interior well I don't know how to take this comment here Bengal Kyle 513 said John should be more like Glenn I don't know if that's they're upset different. they can't see my mouth like I have to put my mouth next to the mic in order to sound as good as I do if I go back here then no one can really hear me but now yeah it's better here 
I just think Kyle's not not really a Vic Fangio fan. I think is probably what what happened there. But guys, <laughs> look, uh, I, I I this is one of the reasons why I think John one of the many reasons why I think John Harbaugh is the the front runner for coach of the year so far. It's the ability to have his team overcome the injuries. I don't know how. Maybe you guys can shine some insight on it. When you had J.K. Dobbins go down. Then you had running back after running back and, and player after player and guys landing on IR and here they are at five and one. Is this just like a next man up thing? Is it a depth of the roster? Is it the, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the, the overall structure of what they do on both offense and defense and, and they just find a way to, I, I don't, I don't really have a good answer for it. I hope you guys maybe have a good answer for yeah, it. Yeah, it's okay. We can help you out, Anthony. Don't uh, worry. It's, 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 pretty astounding how they've been able to come overcome those injuries. Yeah. So to me, it's a, it, it's a multi multifaceted answer, but when you're, you're specifically talking about John, I think one of the things that goes under the radar when it comes to John Harbaugh, and I think that's important as a coach uh, is your ability to build a staff. I think that uh, not only, you know, coach of the year this year, urban Meyer um, has, uh, you know, built himself a great staff. Now I'm being completely sarcastic. You can look at the mistakes he made in his hiring uh, from day one, he, yeah. I don't think he built an adequate staff for the NFL. John Harbaugh has some of the the, the most uh, accredited coordinators, uh, accomplished coordinators, and then he's he gets very unique in his hiring, and he allows guys to, to grow into their role. And what that does is that it allows for player development and depth of your, depth of your team to, to improve, and then it allows you to be a good football team on all three phases. I think that's what we really saw last week. Lamar didn't have the game of his life against the Chargers. He played well, but he didn't have a game of his life by any means. Uh, but in all three phases, we were obviously the most prepared team. And I think that's not just to John's credit. That's his ability to hire and allow his guys to coach. Uh, and so I think that that to mm-hmm. me is, is John's secret when it comes to consistent, uh, you know, being a consistent competitor in the AFC every year in and out. Uh, he's an absolute leader of men. Um, and that's why, you know, I think his brother does better in college. He's more of a dictator and likes to be the star of the show. And that's great. It's not John's style. He's a much better manager uh, and leader of men uh, and not uh, not not folks that he can just tell what to do, like uh, like his younger brother. Yeah, and I think Jimmy is 100 percent right. But as far as how the success of the offense, I mean, you, you give some credit to to John Harbaugh for weathering that storm and getting guys focused when some guys may have wanted to drop their head when they saw Gus Edwards go down after JK. Oh. And then here comes uh, Justice Hill. He's coming back from and boom, he's gone for the year. So just keeping these guys and, and, and making sure the message is still our goals are still in front of us. Yeah, we've had some tough ones, but we can still go out and achieve any goal we want. I mean, that, that that's credit to his leadership. But on the field. I mean, it's Lamar Jackson. Let's just call it what it is. It's Lamar Jackson and the fact that he is such a dynamic player that he can turn a group of of castaway running backs in, in Latavius Murray, Devonta Freeman, and Le'Veon Bell. And all three of those guys scored touchdowns last week um, in a big win against the Chargers where they just blew the doors off of them. So I, I think it's – a lot of it is, the, you know and, – and Greg Roman. I mean, let's give Greg Roman some credit. His scheme is, is the best run scheme in the history of the NFL – and his ability to get odd man, he's he has an, an incredible ability to have one more blocker on he, he can on that side than you have tacklers. So it, and last week it was they used the fullback as their pulling guard because they didn't have the athleticism at the pulling guard spot right now. So they used their three hundred and ten pound fullback who can dance like a bear 
and they used him as their pulling guard, and the guy was absolutely phenomenal. So it, it's a combination of all those things. Um, but I guess Lamar Jackson is probably the guy that deserves the most credit. Yeah, I mean, we've coined him as Omar Little on the show, you know, paying homage to Michael K. Williams, but he is a one-man band. I mean, he's got the shotgun and the trench coat, right? Like, that's how Lamar does it, mm -hmm. the impact he can have on a game. Talking with Glenn Martin and James Haskell of 410 Sports Talk for just a few more minutes. Guys, it's been a long time since this rivalry saw a different outcome than just the Ravens win. I think uh, Billy Price was making his first start at center. You had A.J. Green still on the Bengals. You had Sean Williams intercepting a guy named Joe Flacco, who was quarterbacking the Ravens at the time. It's been a long time since something happened in this game that wasn't just a Ravens win. A lot has changed between both teams. Now, with both teams having a combined nine wins, from a Ravens perspective, what about the Bengals? This current iteration of the Bengals is, I guess, scaring the Ravens the, the most. What is going to be the one thing that has like improved the most that I think that you think that they need to kind of key in on? Yeah, I'm nervous about the the, the passing attack, the deep stuff down the field. Uh, with Marcus Peters being gone, I mean, we have Deshaun Elliott and, and Chuck Clark who are uh, solid safeties. Uh, but outside of college, I mean, and his most recent interception, Deshaun Elliott hasn't flashed ball skills in the NFL and if there is a single knock on Marlon Humphrey is that the deep ball can get to him. And so I think uh, the Bengals ability to every time I watch Bengals highlights, there's a, you know, a long ball down the field, a few of them. Um, and, and so you guys have the horses, have the quarterback that's willing to do it. He's not scared to push the ball down the field. So that's the one thing that, that certainly gets me nervous about this game. Um, and, you know, hopefully I'll gain some favor in, in the eyes of your, your, uh, your viewers here who don't seem to, uh, be too excited or you know be too convinced that uh the Cincinnati Bengals are going to lose that I'm so happy to watch Joe Burrow flourish because I hate Baker Mayfield <laughs> Joe Burrow has absolutely become the star of of Ohio the best quarterback in Ohio and I couldn't be happier now I you know I, I hope obviously we get the win this weekend but uh I, li I like Joe Burrow as a person I think he's awesome I like what he's made of I like what he's built built from and uh uh, I'm I'm excited to see his career, but yeah, I mean, I think him pushing the ball down the field makes me a little nervous about this week. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think Joe Burrow had the greatest college season I've ever seen. I mean, that run he had in, it, with LSU was he beat every good team and beat them handily. So mm -hmm. I knew he was going to be good, um, and and he definitely has been. It, 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 but what scares me the most is is that they can. You know, they, they got good players, not just on the outside, but in the backfield. I mean, Joe Mixon is a stud. I mean, you, you can't you can't deny that they can beat you in both ways. And we saw when the Colts came to town, Jonathan Taylor was a big, big problem. Um, and, and in combination with those guys on the outside. So I'm a little nervous in the sense that they got good guys. They got talent on the outside and in the backfield. They got talent everywhere offensively. So it's going to take a complete effort. And if we keep seeing tackling issues like we've seen before the Chargers game, then they're short catches, they're short, you know, runs that normally would be stopped if you have a good tackling team. The Ravens have been a good tackling team, so they get a lot of yak, whether that's yards after contact or yards after catch. Teams have had a lot of yak yards against the Ravens, so tackling has got to be the number one priority in this week's preparation. Where do you see this one going, guys? Score wise, uh, I, I really endear yourself to our listeners, please. With you know, the, make some in. friends, make some fans <laughs> here. Um, I tell you what, I, I'm not going to come on here and predict a blowout. I, I I did not expect a blowout last week against the, the Chargers, but I think there's they they were hurt by a little bit of some scheduling. They they showed up late. They're playing early. It's a long trip, so I'm not expecting that this week. I think they're a good team, the Bengals. 
I think it's going to be a close win for the Ravens, but I think it's going to be close. I think I got it 27-24 right now. Um, good matchup, but let's just hope it comes down to a kicking game because if it oh, comes God. down to a kicking game, fellas, I mean, there's no one in this universe we'd rather have than JT in the in the backfield. Yeah, and, and so the way I'll give my answer is this. Before the season, we did a prediction. I had the Ravens sweeping the Steelers and the Bengals, and in fact, I had them splitting with the Bear with the Bears with the with the Browns. I am, you know, off that ship, uh, and I think that uh, the Ravens will sweep the Browns and the and the Steelers. I'm starting to think they'll sweep the Cincinnati, but I don't think it will be this week. I think it might be when you guys are at home later later on uh, down the road. Uh, I do think the Ravens pull this one off, um, and I, I I call it. 34 28 31 28 something like that uh good game and 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 the ravens get a stop late late in the game so that's how i see it going uh but i i am i you know i'm it's it's also very likely that the ravens split with with cincinnati uh in this season and uh you know i, I can definitely see that happening so you didn't endear yourself to our, our listeners. Oh, no. no. You can't. You have, like you have an opportunity to here. If you guys can see the screen, there was a question from the Positive Universal Project, David G. Oh. Mouthful of a name there. How much do Ravens fans hate the, hate the Steelers? As much as us. We can kumbaya. We can have a kumbaya. Oh, absolutely. Loving oh. the fact that Big Ben is an absolute disaster. How about Juju Smith deciding to go yeah. back to Pittsburgh and not play here in Baltimore because he thought he'd have better numbers? Well, even when he was healthy, his numbers were trash and were worse than our number two. So, oh, we can we can certainly yeah, rejoice ben in our hatred. Burger is a slob. Yeah, he and is a big a, he slob. He needs to retire and, and, and look, go they're home this and, close to quarterback purgatory. They're this – I mean, they're pretty much there. I mean, they Colin have Cam nothing Newton in already. the chamber. What's that? Colin Cam Newton yeah. already. <laughs> like, geez a whiz. He's, yeah, I, I, yeah, we hate the Steelers. Look, let me tell you this. Uh, my, at my, my parents' house as a child, I had a friend tried to show up with a, with a Pittsburgh Steelers jersey. My mom, my mom did not let him in the house till he took the shirt off. Wow. No joke. Took wow. it off before he wow. walked in the house. Wow. So yes, we do not like the Steelers around here. That is intense. We're talking with James Haskell and Glenn Martin of 410 Sports Talk. Great chatting with you guys. I'm going to bring up your YouTube channel again. Thank I put you. The link, I put the link to it in our live chats. So folks joining us on Twitter, folks joining us on our YouTube channel or on the Cincy Jungle Facebook page, have that link there. Real quick, tell us about your show once again, where people can find it and uh, get some get some info on the Ravens from two great hosts like yourselves. Yeah, we appreciate it. So, yeah, it's 410 Sports Talk on, on YouTube. You can find us on any of your podcasting platforms as well as uh, on Twitter at 410 underscore Sports Talk. Uh, we, do, we go live after every game. We go live in preparation on Fridays for the upcoming game. We have a member of the opposing media every Wednesday on our show to, to give a, some insight from their point of view. Um, and, yeah, we just love talking Ravens football, hate the Steelers, can't stand Baker Mayfield and That's the Browns. Right. Um, so we can at least agree on some common ground. Uh, appreciate, uh, you, you know, always being kind to us, Anthony. Thanks for always coming on with us. And, John, it was nice meeting you. Likewise. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for your time, and uh, we'll hope for a good one this this weekend. Should be should be a fun one, regardless of the result. Enjoy and uh, have a great rest of your week, and maybe we'll catch up again on the rematch. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's just pray everyone comes out healthy. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Take it easy, guys. Have a good one. Uh, that's James and Glenn, 
from 410 Sports Talk. Go check out their podcast. Good, good guys. Great show. Um, that was a fun chat, man. I uh, they they got they got some passion. I like it. I like it. Two covers, too. Six and a half point spread. Yeah, I don't know. I'll take yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I I will tell you this in our chat with in my chat with them. They uh, they have some respect for the Bengals and what they've shown on film so far this year. They did they were not shy about that. They were you know very effusive with the praise for the Bengals and and what they've shown. So um, at, at any rate, great having them on. Go check out their channel. They're doing some great stuff over there. Fun guys, and we were glad to get them on our show. We're going to continue on. We're going to maybe go a little rewind and talk about the Lions game, some of the sights and sounds there. We've got a stat of the week and maybe some other stuff if we have enough time. Uh, like I said, jam-packed show, but we're going to get to that in just a second before we get out of here. Uh, I want to remind folks that we are on all of the audio platforms, all the major ones, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, any of those our Cincy Jungle podcast channel can be found on those. You can subscribe to it where you can find our show, The Orange and Black Insider. Orange is the New Black by Ace and Zim. Congratulations to Zim, who just got married, by the way, over – it was on game day. on Yeah, on Lions game day. Uh, so congrats to our boy Zim. And, of course, the great work also done by Matt Minnick with, with his Coach Speak or Chalk Talk episodes, all of those on your favorite audio platform. And, of course, there is a, an icon right Right by the Bengals B on John's shirt there. You can click that icon for our YouTube channel. Subscribe to it. Click the bell to be notified when we go live and all of that good stuff. We keep bringing you all kinds of different stuff. I don't think I've asked my co-host yet, but I think we're going to be doing listener questions live this week. It's been a couple couple of weeks since we've done that, so we'll bring you that. We've got the post-game show. We've got fantasy football advice, all kinds of different stuff that we bring you every week, so definitely tune in. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. John, before we get to the Lions game, uh, we... I want to tell the folks about our partnership with Symbol, S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot A-P-P backslash O-B-I. These are for, this is for savvy investors here. So 
you got to, if you play the stock market, if you like fantasy football, if you excel at this, that kind of stuff, you got to go check out Symbol. You hear us talk about it every single episode. And I know you're sitting there jonesing for it saying, you know, I'm, I'm ready to pull the trigger. Well, John, they should think about jumping in because our listeners have a special promo going on if they use the, the promo code OBI. Absolutely. Anthony, something that, you know, kind of holds me back from gambling in general is like putting a lot of money into the market because the more money that you put in, the more money that you could potentially get out. But also at the same time, the more money you could potentially lose. Symbol offers a solution to this issue. If you go to symbol.app backslash OBI, enter the promo code OBI, you get $100 risk-free first deposit. That's right. $100 you can put into the symbol market. You can invest in the sim Bengals, you can invest in the sim reds you can even invest in the sim blue jackets if you're into the hockey stuff you can invest in any of your favorite sports teams or any sports teams that you think are going to do well in the near or long-term future and if you don't like the market if you're losing if you're out of your hundred dollars already you can withdraw it completely risk-free you will get a hundred percent of your money back as long as you go to symbol.app app backslash obi we gotta we gotta give uh black Florin, i think a, a little bit of a cut of our of our revenue checks because he's he's in the comment section before even um advertising symbol go to <laughs> go to simple.app backslash obi promo code obi like Blackthorn, good for you man good, yeah black Blackthorn's like a uh a really really good supporter of the show we always we always appreciate him seems to tune in almost every single episode and contributes and thumbs up things and everything he's good dude good dude go check out symbol uh john the Bengals. to your to your point earlier when we kicked off the show the Bengals absolutely demolish the destroy the the destroy the detroit lions uh <laughs> they beat them 34 to 11 was a game a little bit in the first half uh Bengals really ran away with things in the second half just kept scoring from the last possession of the of the first half all the way basically until the end of the game what did you make of this one? What were your takeaways as the Bengals defeat the Lions 34 to 11? Well, I think we both talked about it in the in the days leading up to it. Like this is a game that the Bengals should just prove that they're clearly the better team. You don't see very often in the NFL a level of talent disparity that you sometimes see in college football, but that was quite literally on display whenever the Bengals were on defense and the Lions were on offense. There was just nothing that that Jared Goff offense could do behind that offensive line that was clearly having issues. It, it was just embarrassing to watch that Lions offense try to operate for three quarters and then eventually get into the get into the end zone where I think the Bengals had their backups. And like you, you had backups for both teams, for both offense and defense for the Bengals in with like 10 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. It, it was like watching a preseason game. I think that was the last time that the Bengals were at Detroit was for a preseason game. It, it gave off those vibes for me like the Bengals offense I don't know I didn't know going into it if they were going to end up scoring 30 but they shouldn't have had any excuses not to do so and watching the first half I'm thinking the Bengals are just laying another egg like they should be playing so much better than this and then something just kind of clicked it was kind of like the opposite watching that first half of what usually the first half is they scored on the opening drive instead of not scoring which has been the theme of all season and then they were just stalling out drive drive because of issues whether it be penalties or a lot of pressures. Burrow got sacked. Burrow got pressured a little bit. He almost threw an interception. And of course, we see him launch a deep one to Jamar Chase. Then the world is fine again. And then they pour on 34 points. So yeah, it was a fantastic win. It, again, it hasn't. It's been a while since they won in this fashion, but it should have been expected based off just the embarrassing talent disparity that was on the field. 
Yeah, the the Lions made a little bit of a game of it early, but that was because of four straight drives by the Bengals where they threw an interception and had three three and outs after that. So that was a little bit concerning uh, in terms of offensive production. But what they did, John, they scored points before half, right before halftime, and they scored points coming right out of halftime. Ten points in this one, I believe, by my math, it was thirty-one points scored before half. That the Bengals have and 27 points coming out of half on their first on their last possession of the of the second quarter and re- respective first possessions of the third quarter they are dominating that that area of the game and I, I personally think it's a it's a major major reason why this team is is as successful as it is they just boom boom they get you right at these critical moments where you go in and out of the locker room and it really makes a big difference in terms of the the, the overall complexion of the game I think Paul Dinner Jr. did the math about the odds of them actually getting the opportunity to do that. So they've won, I want to say, 11 straight coin yeah. passes going back to last year. So like the odds of that happening are well over like one in 2000. So that's the only way, the only reason why they're getting these opportunities to do so. But at the very least, they're taking advantage of it. Like there's never going to be a time whether they get the ball after halftime or not, where they're not going to be trying to score. The only time I think is from that Jacksonville game where they were literally down at the inch yard line and they didn't want to get a safety and people still kind of, you know, dragged them through, through the mud on that one because they played so terrible in that first half. But same thing with this game, like that, I think that play was honestly the turning point of the game. It's just like the light bulb just kind of flicked on. It like it appeared above their head, like, Hey, we can do this. It was, I think the Lions had like an overload blitz towards the right side and like Riley Reef kind of a lot of pressure around the edge. Jackson Carmen, who was in the game because Trey Hill was unfortunately not doing so well. He blocked two guys off the overload blitz off the edge, gave Joe Burrow just enough time. He was under the rest. He didn't have a perfect uh, platform to throw the football, but he threw like 40 air yards, dropped it right in the bucket for chase. It was just something so familiar that's familiar that we've seen in the first five weeks that really sparked, I think, the rest of the offense going forward. What do you make of the offensive balance that we saw? Is that, do you, do you attribute that just to a, a poor Lions team and the Bengals were just kind of able to impose their will as they did late, especially late in the game. Um, or, or do you see this as a potential good sign going forward? I, I kind of feel it's a little bit of both um, and they need to have a, a, the ability to at least somewhat run the football against higher quality teams. But I think it was a good, it was a good showing, especially with Evans getting kind of his first extended action of, of his career. Yeah, it wasn't exactly like it was the week prior when they were passing the ball early and often against the Packers because it felt like they needed to do that or they felt like they needed to, to right. do that. I'm sure they realized they had a more competitive advantage to do the things that they were more more comfortable doing against the Lions. So that probably had something to do with it. Also, with Joe Mixon getting closer to 100%, he definitely looked 100% up until he unfortunately got tackled, tackled kind of awkwardly in the fourth quarter. So maybe he wasn't fully 100% healthy, but... Uh, I think there's some some good news on that front that we'll get to later. So I think they were just more confident in the running game based off their based off the opponent, based off the fact that they knew that they were going to be able to lean on Mixon a little bit more. Yeah, nice bounce back game from Evan McPherson, uh, kicking the football, made four extra points in his two field goal attempts. That was that was nice to see. The Bengals made a little bit of a switch at punt returner. It would seem Trenton Irwin um, taking over for Darius Phillips. There was another. It, instance where Phillips caught the ball and just made some kind of poor decisions there. I don't know if you have some thoughts on that and, and, or if, if you think we should start seeing a little more Trenton Irwin going forward, returning punts. Poor Phillips, man. Like the last two years, there's been 
injuries constantly at cornerback, having has always replaced Trey Waynes, and he gets rotated in with LaShawn Sims, which is almost like an insult when you when you hear it out loud. And then this year comes along, and they bring in Eli Apple, and then Apple gets the reps over Phillips, and then Phillips barely sees the field even when Chidobe Awuzie gets hurt. So he's basically out of cornerback. The only thing he has left is pump returner, a spot that he has never really played since his college days. He's out of kick returner because Brandon Wilson's back there. And then he can't even do pump returner right. And then they bring in Trenton Irwin. He stays in. He barely does even better than Phillips Irwin does. But at this point, it's just hard to see Phillips getting that role back. But that role was all that he had. He's basically going to sit on the bench until his contract expires at this point. Yeah, it, it would seem that that would be the case there. Um, Evans also played very well. To You mentioned that a little bit. Played very well. Um, now seems to have ascended to the backup running back spot. There hasn't been... Uh, I guess we can transition into this a little bit as we kind of give our own little mini version of the Ravens preview. Um, there, there hasn't been much on the, the Samaje Pirine update that I have seen. Um, so he, I think, is still on the COVID list, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Uh, so now I don't know if, if that is the situation that prompted Evans to be promoted to the backup running back or if it was the performance or potentially both. I was really impressed with Evans, who also has a little bit of an injury issue this week. But I was really impressed with Evans helping out in three phases, passing, uh, pass blocking, receiving, and rushing this last week. Yeah, so just to confirm, Pierre is still on the COVID list. And you know this is of, as of Wednesday night, so he did not practice on the first practice leading up to the next game. But yeah, Evans, just a perfect game in the perfect setting. Like that was 40 miles east of Ann Arbor where he was just wasted away under John Harbaugh's brother in Michigan and in the same stadium that I believe he told reporters after the game he worked at while he was on academic suspension. He was away from the football team. He was working security for some type of a football event at Ford field just to go back to that same setting, be the first Bengals running back drafted after Joe Mixon to score an NFL touchdown. They've drafted Mark Walden flashback uh, Wednesday, right there. Travion Williams, Rodney Anderson, Chris Evans is the fourth guy that they've drafted. They've constantly been trying to find this compliment to Joe Mixon going forward to replace Giovanni Bernard. New number 25 does exactly what I think a lot of fans remember Giovanni Bernard doing, but never quite like that as a receiver lined up against, albeit a slow linebacker in Jalen Reeves Maven, but what a, what a route, man, what a route, what a catch. Yeah. And to follow it up with like three picture, perfect pass blocky reps. And like you mentioned, some, some standout special teams plays too. So a perfect game for his first real opportunity. I, I guess I was a li- had too, a little bit too much of an itchy uh, trigger finger there going with the injury report. Before we do that, I want to get to your stat of the week. I assume it centers around somebody in this Lions game because it's a stat of the week. And the last time the Bengals played, it was against the Lions. So uh, what, do, what do you have for us, John? Well, I'll, I'll tell you, it's not necessarily has to do with okay. this game, but it is something that I was curious. The stat. We can hold off. Pretty- if it's better to hold off. It's up to you. No, nah, no, nah, we're, we're doing it now because it's it's right. a little bit top topical. Uh, okay. We're going with 45.2% is our stat of the week. And that stat is the percentage of Bengals drives that end in a touchdown when they throw the ball at least three times. Now, this stat, to put into context, is third in the league. The only two teams that are higher than them are the Cardinals, who are scoring on 50% of these drives, and the Chiefs, who are scoring on 45.5% of these given drives. And I found this out when I believe it was Timo Risque of PFF. He does a lot of their data work. Who basically who tweeted out his weekly update of 
how many um what is the percentage for teams that are converting their first uh series into another first down and the Bengals are in the bottom five in that in that category 69 percent of the time do they convert for another first down on the drive that's 27th or 28th in the league and i wanted to dig a little bit deeper into that so i I found out okay if they're only converting so many of these drives into additional first downs but there's 12th in the nfl in points per drive something's not exactly adding up so the percentage of all drives for the Bengals that end in the touchdown after achieving one first down is 42.9 percent which is seventh in the league and the percentage of drives that end in a touchdown after they achieve two first downs is 61.5%, second in the league. What this all means in layman's terms is all the Bengals have to do is just get a first down, and odds are they're going to score a touchdown, and they're going to compete yeah. with anybody that they go up against. And a lot of that has to do with throwing the ball earlier and often. Now, just throwing the ball three downs on any drive does not guarantee a touchdown. That, that needs some context, and there's a reason why they aren't just throwing for three consecutive plays when they begin drives. But if we want to see the offense evolve more into what a lot of people think the potential of this offense can be, that is the natural progression that they have to go. There's a reason why they're in the company of some of these elite offenses, because those are the teams that pass the ball the best. When the Bengals are keeping Joe Burrow clean, or they're given in those prime opportunities to do so, they are putting up points amongst the best of them. They just have to get out of their own way. The... There's a lot to point to in the last game to support your evidence. I mean, you, you look at the – I mentioned the three three-and-outs um, that, that were strung together. Obviously, you know, no first downs, they aren't going to score. Um, so and, – and those were kind of just pedestrian drives, how they strung those together, the interception drive that set all those off. Um, they had six plays there. They were moving a little bit there. But, um, yeah, it, you know, and, and – in the second half, when you saw the explosiveness against the the Lions, there was a lot more passing. That's just kind of the bottom line. And maybe that calls into question some of the balance that um, we were talking about earlier there. But uh, good stuff. Your your source on that, again, was from PFF, you said? Uh, the source is Stathead, which is basically uh, right. Pro Football References right. um, game-by-game database. I like it. I like it, John. Let's let's talk. We're we're getting up against it here. Let's talk a little bit before we get out of here uh, about this game against the Ravens. We had a long chat with our with our buddies James and Glenn. I uh, want to get your thoughts and uh, talk about predictions, etc. On this one, a huge one in the AFC North. The Bengals go to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. What are your What are your thoughts as you enter this one? What are your trepidations? What are your uh, I don't know. Are you, are, how are you? How are you feeling? Are you feeling optimistic? Are you feeling uh, pessimistic? I, I don't know, man. I, wait, wait, how are you feeling about this whole thing? With this specific opponent, the bar is is touching the floor in terms of expectations for what the Bengals do. But I think when we talked to Malik Wright a couple weeks ago in our listener questions, he brought up this: like this defense has been reshaped in the image of defending the Baltimore offense, like. Yes, Cleveland and Pittsburgh will always be competitive against them, even with their franchises taking different directions. But the Ravens, as they've shown, are the golden standard in this division. And they've gone out of their way for the last two years now to rebuild this defense to stop number eight. And I know everybody ran with Logan Wilson's comments. They tried to twist it into something that it wasn't. No team in the NFL should have more respect for the overall damage of what Lamar Jackson can do 
than the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, I know that highlight that he did and the Kevin Harlan Houdini call that was against a completely different defense, a defense that was completely ill prepared to handle him in like his first ever start against the team. There have been a couple times when the Bengals have been able to limit what Lamar can do. When they the last time, exactly a year ago, when they played at Baltimore, they held Lamar to three rushing yards, but they still lost by 27 because they couldn't protect Burrow at all. The offense was a disaster. The game just kind of got away from them. They have found a way, they found a different scheme to implement against this offense that has shown to be somewhat effective every now and then. Now, it's been very hot and cold, and it doesn't always work, as we've seen from the other blowouts that the Ravens have conducted on the Bengals. But I am interested to see with now the personnel of the defense fully fulfilled with all the roles in this scheme that they specifically deploy against this team, is it going to be enough to keep it on the low-scoring side of things where then I think the Bengals can have a really good chance of winning this game? If it comes down to a shootout, I don't know if the Bengals offense can protect Burrow enough against a defense that always knows how to pressure Burrow without him seeing it coming or just any Bengals quarterback without them seeing it coming. I think the offense line is better prepared than the last couple of years, but you, you can't underestimate what Wink Martindale can do in cooking up those pressures that can catch quarterbacks off guard. I, I think if I remember correctly in that game, the Ravens had a sack fumble on, on Burrow and that one, he didn't see the, the pressure coming from, from the backside there. And there was just, it was kind of chaos. And look, to your point about Lamar Jackson and the Bengals defense, all of the investments that the Bengals have made over the past two off seasons have largely been to be able to defend the Baltimore Ravens and what they do on offense. Logan Wilson, Akeem Davis Gaither. Uh, you could even go as deep as saying Marcus Bailey as a third linebacker draft pick, DJ reader, Trey Hendrickson, Larry Ogunjobi. I mean, the list goes on and uh, tackling cornerbacks that the cornerbacks that tackle well in case these players get in space. They all of these acquisitions have largely been to be able to win this type of game. So, in, in that respect, I think that th this is not just a big barometer as to how the Bengals really are this year, how close they are to one of the the elite teams in the AFC and in the NFL, but really how those acquisitions that are seemingly paying off very well, how they're paying off in the game that they most need them to pay off in, in my opinion. Yeah. And again, like we can talk all about like, is Lamar Jackson never going to be this quarterback that's consistently accurate and can compete in the playoffs and just spout off narratives that Stephen A. Smith does in first take at the end of the day he owns the Bengals honestly like Lamar or, I'm sorry when Aaron Rodgers was in the, the Bears end zone yelling at Bears fans that he owns them like that's what Lamar Jackson has free reign to do against the Bengals right now I know he's still young he's even younger than me but he's he's that successful he's he's just that dude and until the Bengals find a way to outscore him and and completely shut him down and fulfill the the plan that you talked about like the whole plan of fulfilling this defense and putting together this defense then that's just the status quo and th th this game is a measuring stick in that sense i know that the ravens and what they do it's it's not standard compared to every other team because of how their offense is structured and and just the variable of having lamar as your quarterback but like the the every team in the division runs like the ravens own the division right now like they're at the top and every team has to go through them to get to where they are so this is a kind of a measuring stick in that sense well, look, uh, what what are we feeling about how the Bengals are stacking up in this one? And 
I mean, prediction. We're we're, we're getting getting kind of long here in terms of the amount of time we've taken on the show. It's been a great one. It's been a fun one. Um, what, what do you think the Bengals most need? I mean, aside from obviously limit Lamar Jackson. What what are some of the other kind of ancillary things that are still pretty important that the Bengals need to achieve in this one in order to keep it close and or win this game? I think also pressuring Lamar in, in general. Like it, it's it's a lot have been about just containing him and limiting the amount of damage that he can do with his legs. But I think Trey Hendrickson has done fantastic in the first six weeks, but He's going up against a not so very good tackle anymore in Alejandro Villanueva, who I believe did not practice on Wednesday. So it's up to him to it's one thing to get to Lamar. It's another thing to finish him entirely. So Lamar has had great success throwing the ball. And if they can have any semblance of pressure to actually get to him, that would be fantastic for them. Jadobi Woozy is going to have his hands full with more, more Marquise Brown, who's producing like a wide receiver one. Like he, Lamar is slinging it, too. He's like averaging like 10 air yards per attempt. And a lot of that is just deep balls to him. Uh, Brown and uh, Mark Andrews up the seam. So there's a lot to like about this Ravens offense, and it's going up against Bengals defense that has really proven itself to be legitimate. I, I'm I'm not overly confident in Eli Apple, but I am confident in Awuzie. I am confident in the Bengals secondary in general. So the wide receivers, I mean, I think they'll make some plays, but I, I'm not overly worried about that. What I am worried about that. Can someone cover a tight end? Please, can someone cover a tight end? The Bengals have traditionally never done that well. Uh, Logan Wilson has made plays in the middle of the field to help with that. Maybe a three-safety look with Ricardo Allen back in there, Vaughn Bell doing some different things closer to the line of scrimmage, and Jesse Bates. Maybe that'll help uh, confuse some of the looks that, that they're giving Lamar Jackson there. Before we get to predictions, John, let's go over, since I, I omitted this earlier, let's go over the injury report. You mentioned Trey Hendrickson and Jackson Carmen were limited. I believe you put this up on Cincy Jungle itself. Uh, this is the practice report. Bengals here, um, kind of an, a normal rest day for Hopkins. Uh, Tupo didn't practice a uh, little bit of a little bit of a surprise there. Ricardo Allen, we just talked about him limited Jackson, Jackson Carmen limited. Uh, and then Chris Evans popping up there. That's a little worrisome. Clark Harris popping up there a little worrisome. Uh, and then of course you got Joe Burrow and Mike Thomas on there. Um, anything standing out to you? I think the Jackson Carmen one, the non-injury, uh, the rest day. Um, I don't know if that has to do with kind of the illness stuff or what have you, but that's another one that kind of sticks out. Yeah, I think they were just giving him um, time to rest up from his his sickness from Sunday. Um, but yeah, Chris Evans with a hamstring, that's, that's not great. I guess Joe Mixon was the only one on the roster who was practicing full. Um, it's also weird because like when they're practicing limited and they haven't had like a practice before, you don't know if they were fine and then maybe they injured something in the middle of practice. I think that's exactly what happened to Deontay Smith last week uh, when we yeah. talked about on this program about potentially stealing the yeah. left guard job and then he ended yeah. his minutes in Wednesday's practice. So I, I think we'll have to wait until Thursday to see if those guys are going to be continue to be limited because they're just dealing with something minor or they ended up hurting something in the middle of practice. Yeah, and then continuing on here, uh, the Ravens, though uh, they, they've had a lot of people go on IR, they're list isn't um overly overly long but there's a lot of did not practice including Villanueva who is 
uh, kind of becoming an important player in the wake of Ronnie Stanley going on IR. Uh, you, you know, you've got Sammy Watkins didn't didn't practice. Tavon Young, a corner, didn't practice. Jimmy Smith had a rest day. Latavius Murray didn't practice. Justin Houston had a rest day. Um, so I don't know if, if anything's sticking out to you there, but uh, the the cornerback situation and, of course, Villanueva stick out to me. Yeah, everyone's talking about the Browns and how they're going through a bunch of injuries. The Ravens have been dealing with this for a month and a half now, ever since like four running backs got hurt. If Latavius Murray doesn't play. I don't know the entire situation with him. I guess it's the Le'Veon Bell show. He was just yeah. signed to the active roster after being on the practice squad and I guess being elevated a few times off of it. So that'll be interesting to see. Uh, Patrick Queen being limited, something to monitor as well. But yeah, like who's going to be a running back behind Lamar? That That's something to watch for. Yep, absolutely. That's the injury report as of Wednesday. We've kind of given our two cents. We've talked to our special guests about the the Baltimore Ravens in this game. Uh, thank you to our our good buddy. We got to get him on for the rematch too. And Graven Vids, great great guests there. Mm-hmm. Um, saying Sammy Watkins most likely won't play. Your prediction on this one? Uh, what do you what do you think here, John? Um, score prediction if you have one. So. I didn't talk about this initially, but I think I think it's also something worthy of bringing up. The last time they faced a defense like this, where they they should be like legitimately scared of the pass rush, was the Bears, and we all saw how they kind of handled that. You know, the offense was very bland; they didn't attack downfield until it was just too late. And their secondary, even though the Bears secondary wasn't tremendously talented, it was just sitting up on routes and it was completely limiting the offense. I want to see how much of that changes against the Ravens defense because I know that they're going to be trying to get the ball out quickly because again, Justin Houston and um, Odefei away. Yeah. I want to get his name right. Those guys are dangerous off the edge and they're going to stunt and they're going to twist and they're, they're, they're going to delay. They're going to show blitz in the a gap. They're going to drop three guys in the coverage and they're going to go blitz three guys. They're going to do a lot of things to confuse Burrow yep. because that has worked in the past. I want to see how they overcome that while still, putting pressure on the secondary because they need to utilize what they're best at and what they're best at right now is stretching the field with Jamar Chase. And if they can't do that, it's going to be hard for this Bengals offense to keep up with the Ravens offense. I want to see it in order to believe it. I'm not comfortable in predicting that it's going to happen. So I'm going to have to agree with our guests from earlier. I think the Bengals lose this one pretty closely in the form of like maybe a 23 to 17 game. Yeah, I'll say like 28, 23, 28, 24, something like that in favor of the Ravens. I agree with you. I think the Bengals offensive line has shown, you know, marginal improvement over the prior year. There's been some, you know, Jonah Williams has been playing pretty well. Riley Reef had a rough one last week. Um, and it's that interior that that you you really got to focus in on. Quentin Spain's been playing very well, but the right guard has been an up and down type of situation. Trey Hopkins just doesn't seem to be quite 100% all there yet. Um, and he hasn't really been one of their best linemen so far. And and how do, how, how does this offensive line, how does Frank Pollock and his effect, how is he going to be able to coach these guys up to match up against some of the things that they will see that you mentioned, you know, the, the stunts and all kinds of different looks the the crazy things that Baltimore defense defenses like to do traditionally, what are they going to do to be able to handle that? And I saw a comment from, from our, our buddy, Brian in Iowa earlier talking about Joe Burrow constantly references that game against Baltimore, where he didn't recognize the blitz and fumbled the ball away. And there's all, all kinds of struggles from him and the rest of the offense. How much has he learned since that last game? How much has he 
been able to say, you know, this is what's probably coming this week. Uh, this is what we have to do. And, and, you know, will, will the mistakes be very, very limited, which they will need to be in this game for the Bengals to be not only keep it close, but potentially win. I I'd like to say that the Bengals win. I'd love to see it on the leg of Evan McPherson on a game winning, winning kick <laughs> field goal with, with Justin Tucker on the other sideline there. I think the Bengals have a shot, but I, I just think Baltimore right now, and it being in Baltimore in the middle of a road game stretch for the Bengals. I think that's just a lot to kind of handle at this point. But we will see. It should be a good one going forward. John, let's drop the mic and get out of here. What do you have for us, bud? So I just wanted to show off the stuff that is currently being worn by Randall at the moment. On his torso, we have a shirt from our friends at Breaking Tea. It's the new Cats on the Block t-shirt that you can find by going to our page at Cincy Jungle or just going to BreakingTea.com and search new Cats on the Block. You got drawings of Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, and Joe Mixon on a nice design uh, like that. And also on Randall's head, we have a hat from our friend at um, Jeff Trenopoul for mm-hmm. Sports of Strawberry Ice. He was kind enough to ship that to me. It's a nice jackpot Joey number nine hat. So definitely check out merchandise from our friends and our sponsors. That's awesome, man. And uh, yeah, Strawberry Ice, Jeff Trenopole gave me a cool one here. He was nice enough to send one. Was gonna was going to rock it. It got a little crunched in the mail, so I'm making sure it gets fully stretched out. Because <laughs> you know me, I like those flat bills. I like the big, the big bridge of the hats to the chagrin of much of our listeners and viewers. But a really cool hat. And... If you go find some jackpot Joey stuff uh, that they're that they're uh, selling out there, a portion of the proceeds go to the Joe Burrow Hunger Relief Fund, I believe, for uh, their stuff there. So um, go check that out. I just want to say thank you to our guests, 410 Sports Talk, uh, Glenn Martin and uh, James Haskell. Really, really fun guys to talk to. Go check out their podcast. Um, I guess shameless self plug. I'm I'm on that this week, so you can hear me just kind of babble but uh good show nonetheless we got more coming for you on this one listener questions live fantasy football advice post game reactions the whole gamut we're gonna we're gonna bring it to you uh looking forward to this this weekend john i think it's gonna be a fun one even though the Bengals may not end up on the right side of things it uh it should be a fun game regardless in regards to McPherson, it would be nice. Like Tucker hits a fifty yarder, McPherson hits a fifty-five yarder. Tucker hits a sixty. McPherson breaks Tucker's record with a sixty-nine yarder at the gun. There you go. I like it. I like it. That would be poetic justice for sure. Uh, well, thanks. Have a good week, dude. Um, appreciate you. You too, man. Yeah, all the insight that you bring. You you bring it every week, and you're you're awesome to work with my man and thanks again to the the guys at 410 sports talk enjoy this week keep it to cincy jungle for all your news opinions analysis all that good stuff on the cincinnati Bengals and some podcasts as well on the cincy jungle podcast channel take it easy everybody we'll see you throughout the week with more episodes later